Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Ryan Gibson. Thanks for being on the show again, Ryan. Thanks, Whitney. Appreciate you having me. Now, I'm honored to have you back. This is going to be a good show because you could go back and listen to show WS32 and you can hear Ryan then. I know it's been uh, right at a year ago and then and you'll be able to hear some great growth in SIG or in Spartan Investment Group and and from, from then to today. And we're going to talk some about how they've gotten where they're at and some specific things that they've done to get there. So, But a little about Ryan. In case you didn't hear the other show, he is the chief investment officer and co-founder of Spartan Investment Group. He's responsible for investor relations and capital raises for projects. To date, Ryan has raised $14 million for six projects. Spartan focuses on acquiring and developing self-storage facilities. Ryan has has experience ranging from ground-up development of luxury condos to the acquisition of cash-flowing self-storage facilities. Ryan graduated with a bachelor's degree in business with concentrations in marketing, management, and advertising. Ryan is also an airline pilot and enjoys spending time with his wife and daughter in Seattle, Washington. So, Ryan, thank you again. Give us a little update and let's dive in about this massive growth that, that SIG has had. Yeah, so it's been great. We uh, started off, as you know, with Scott Lewis and I, and we've scaled to 21 employees. And we have a corporate office now in Golden, Colorado, which is just outside of Denver. And we focus on doing everything ourselves in-house. So we do everything from the acquisition with Ben and his team, Ben Lapidus, and we raise the capital all in-house. We've property managed at asset management house. We do all the direct property management. And we've even seen some deals go all the way through to the sale. So we have a great team. And as part of growing that team, we've had to hire a lot of people and bring in a lot of staff and really lay the groundwork for a good corporate culture. And it's been an exciting couple of years, for sure. So how many employees did you all have approximately at show 32 or say a year ago? I think it was between six to eight to include the property level. So it's been quite a lot of growth since then. Okay. And and now you have how many? 21. 21 employees. And so, you know, you're not able to grow a business that quickly and withstand just those what growing pains is what some people would say, you know, without some structure, right? Or some things in place that are going to help you to get there. You know, I'd love for us to, to talk about some of that and, and just, you know, maybe your where your all's focus was and in, in being able to grow a business like this. Yeah. So I think, you know, instead of looking at just going out and doing every deal we can or, or focus on growing a portfolio, we really kind of looked at growing uh, an internal mechanisms, you know, the, the financial bookkeeping, record keeping, looking at how are we going to bring on, you know, 150 investors into active projects? How are we going to communicate with them at scale? And pretty much everything we've done, we've asked ourselves, how is this going to scale? You know, Ryan, if you're the one that primarily deals with the investors, how are you going to keep up with 150 people in conversations, text messages, emails, you know, things like that? So really just kind of boiled down to how can we lay the groundwork to scale, which made our growth slow in the beginning, frankly, coming up with better, you know, putting the focus on the business instead of working uh, in the business really slowed us down in the beginning. But now that it's picking up steam and we have the infrastructure in place, 
we're able to take on a lot more projects and we're able to do them successfully and continue to have businesses that we acquire and operate efficiently. Now, I like that because you're, you're looking at like every process in the business that you know that has to happen and you're, and you're really asking yourself or that team member, how is this going to grow? What happens when it doubles? Can you still withstand this? And, or how are you going to withstand it? Is that right? Absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the things that we focused on was, you know, as a team of five or even a team as two, you know, we could really provide a lot of quality to people, a lot of quality communication, a lot of quality marketing. And when you add a lot of people to your organization, the first thing that usually goes is the quality. So we really, by hiring our own direct people, it really helped us vet folks and put the right people in place to take down the projects. What are some tips for keeping the quality when expanding like that? Yeah, sure. So hire slow, fire fast. So we have a um, you know really long hiring process, super frustrating sometimes to have many, many months of lots of applicants and going through multiple people to get to the right person. But at the end of the day, we look for who's the best cultural fit. You know, somebody that has the passion and determination, maybe they don't have the skill sets, that's okay, but they're eager to learn. We're able to bring them on and kind of align them with the company long term. That's kind of what's really helped us, I think, is getting the right people on board for sure. Best cultural fit. So what are some things you're going to look for there? Maybe questions or, you know, some way that we can help for our own business? Yeah. So, you know, in this business, you, you get a lot of people with a lot of experience and then you get people with minimal experience. One thing that we look for is that they are going to be able to work with our team members and have the grit to go in there, roll up their sleeves and get the job done. You know, they have to be thoughtful in what they do, but we're looking for somebody who's just going to just get in there, roll up their sleeves and execute. And I think that's more important than necessarily having a ton of experience, but lacking grit and determination to get things done. And we actually put our core values up on the wall at Spartan. And, you know, we really kind of go over those core values with our team so that we, you know, have the opportunity to bring on the right people at the right time. That's really been important for us to have everybody in our company interview the candidate. So we have everybody, all of our directors, all of our, you know, Scott and myself as the executives, we interview everybody and we do personality testing to make sure that they are a good fit for the role as well. Okay. Well, I haven't heard that one before. So every director or every high level person in SIG is going to interview this person. Yes. And are, are, are those going to be individual interviews or are you like sitting around like a horseshoe table? So, <laughs> so I was a police officer, you know, many yeah. years ago and I had many interviews, you know, where it's like six or eight people sitting around this horseshoe table. Of course, they're trying to intimidate you and make you nervous, right? Sure. You know, I mean, in that setting, they want to see how you're going to respond. I just wonder how you all handle that. Yeah. So what we do is we put out the job application on like Workable, LinkedIn, Indeed. And so we get the candidate that comes in and then Carrie, our office manager, she actually pre-screens the candidate and she actually talks to the hiring manager to make sure that she understands what the hiring manager is really looking for. And she's got a really good hang of it now. And once the person comes in, we look into Workable or our, the job application screening site and we can thumb up or thumb down, you know, who we want to have called. And Carrie initiates a call, kind of a 30-minute screen to make sure that they're a good fit. After that, they come in, Carrie advances them to the next stage. They come in for a director interview. So the three directors, Lindsay in Scott. In person. In person, correct. We'll give them like a 10-minute call just to make sure, okay, Carrie, you know, check the box or good. Then we do a three-person interview panel with the directors. 
and then if the directors all give a A, a or higher score, then Scott, they, they sit down with both me and Scott, who are the executives. And we only have veto power at that point. So we can't recommend. We just can say, uh, not, a, not quite a fit for the culture. So, so that's what we do. We, we just think that fit is so important because if they don't have a good fit, it can bring down everybody, right? It, you know, it's, a, it's somebody on the team that's not jumping in and you know, deploying teamwork or perseverance. And people can kind of see how that person's reacting or how, how they're performing on a job. And that might wear off on the other individuals. So super important. Wow. No, that's, that's, I appreciate that. And, you know, I'll never forget in one of those interviews, there was at least six or eight people sitting around the table and one lady stood up and slapped the table with both hands and yelled at me real loud. <laughs> well, we're definitely not doing that. We're, we're trying to get, you know, we're, you know, just the opposite, you know, we're not trying to do intimidate anybody. We're trying to, you know, it's difficult, right? When you come in for an interview and they say, we just want you to relax and be yourself, you know? And that's like the last thing going through your mind, you know, but, you know, we try to get people relaxed as much as possible. I mean, some of the questions that I ask are more about, Hey, we want to make sure that you like this job and that you're a good fit for our business and that you're going to enjoy yourself. Cause that's really the most important thing is making sure that they're actually going to like the role and be passionate about it. Cause if they're not, then they're not going to really do the best job that they could. We like hearing their concerns about the position so we can kind of vet those and, and talk about them. Yeah. So how did you all start with this system or did you have something you, you followed at first? Or I know you even said like at this point, you know, you only have veto, uh, veto rights. So, yeah. you know, so it's like, uh, you know, how did you all develop this and where did that start from? Yeah. So Scott really laid out a good fr- framework. Again, everything that you do to scale your business has to have a process, right? So, and it has to be vetted and published to the team. So we have a flow chart and we, that we created. So everybody knows what the process is for bringing on an employee. So that's already been put in our operating manual. So we knew when, Hey, we got to hire somebody, we have a process for that. So we built that in Visio, you know, just kind of a, just a flow chart. And we also have a, uh, when the person actually gets hired, we have a Trello board onboarding checklist where it's a two week, two month. And I think one year process where, you can go on and make sure they have all their I-9s and W-2 forms filled out, payroll. And we're doing you know 90-day reviews with the employee and getting all the tools that they need because nothing's more frustrating than like getting hired by an organization and you can't even open your computer or turn on your email or something like that, right? So we try to take all the things that we've worked in previous employers that drive us crazy and make sure that our employees are getting them. And that's Kind of where I think our roles are sort of being, I mean, we're still very hands-on in the business, but we're now we're just trying to provide for our employees is really kind of where a lot of our focus has shifted. So you mentioned Trillo. Is that, and I'm a little bit familiar with it, but could you elaborate on what that is? Yeah, it's a project management tool. Basically, it's a board. You can put up a lot of the different functions that you do, tasks, time-based. I think it's probably the best task tracker out there gives a nice visibility. You know, we, we put a board up, we use like red, yellow, green for top priority tasks to low priority task. And then when we want it done, you can kind of move your boards around if you reprioritize or deprioritize a certain task. It's a good project management, task management function. So are all employees local? Yeah. So we require everybody to be at the office. So I'm out in Seattle. So that kind of is an exception. But anybody that we hire, uh, we do have two big projects that are upcoming here in the Seattle metro area. And, you know, we do have quite a few investors that live in the Washington. So it kind of makes sense. You know, we're actually going to probably open up a satellite office here at some point, maybe in the next year or so. But we require everyone to be there. You know, we've gone, we've had deep discussions about remote working. And 
you know, we do have a flexible workspace. We have a flexible work office culture where we primarily are just there Tuesday through Thursday and then work from home Friday and Monday, which provides flexibility to our employees. But, you know, we love the face-to-face. There's just nothing better than just getting people face-to-face and having regular meetings. I think it's helping us grow a lot faster having the office and having the face-to-face interaction versus being spread out all over the country or something. Nope, I agree. That It's awesome to be face-to-face as long as you are planning for them to be full-time, I guess. Is everybody full-time? Everybody's full-time, yep. So I guess taking a, a slight turn here, it's great to see how you all have put all these systems in place and been very strategic about it because it's, it's easy to get caught up in just the transactions, right? Yep. That's right. And, and, you know, t- can you talk a little to that? You know, how, how did you all stay away from just say, okay, you know, we're just focusing on the next deal. We're focusing on raising capital. But wait a minute. You know, there's a business over here that we have to build at the same time, if not just before all this over here happens. Yeah. So, it, you know, that comes with Scott's leadership. We have a strategic plan and uh, he made sure that every month that we sit down and have a monthly, first of all, you create the strategic plan. You have the strategic goals and objectives. And then you have a performance target and then tasks that break down on all that, right? So you kind of have this high level goal, like maybe your goal is to acquire 150 million in real estate. Okay, well, that's great. But how do you transact day to day to get that goal, right? And what are your performance targets that, you know, okay, by June of this year, I want to have this or by March of next year, I want to have that. And all the goals, you know, sort of lead to tasks. And every month we review the tracker and we have that up on Smartsheet, and we see if we're red, yellow, green on our on our tasks, and we hold our, each other accountable. So yeah, you've got your deals going on. Yeah, you've got your underwriting to do. Yeah, you've got your capital raising to focus on, but you have to be accountable for the tasks, you know, goals and objectives that you've set out for the year in our strategic plan, which lasts three years. The other thing too is like before we decided to go into self storage we paused any deal finding efforts. We weren't going out trying to find deals when we were learning about storage. We did nothing but night for 90 days, but learn as much as we could about the asset class. This is back in 2016. Before we started running around trying to find a deal, we, we wanted to learn about the asset class itself. So it does take time. As you know, you know, learning about multifamily or something, you want to learn as much as you can about it before you just go start chasing deals. Otherwise, it's just not sustainable. You know, I like how you said you, you paused looking for deals because that seems like totally opposite of what you should be doing in this business. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It seems like you, you'd be so pulled to do the other thing, which is what everybody's doing. But now that you've got these systems in place, I, and I like the strategic plans. I yeah. like that. <laughs> and especially when you're using other people's money, right? I mean, if you <laughs> take massive action and go do a deal that's really bad with other people's money and see how that goes, right? So you want, you want to make sure that you have a good understanding of the asset before you just jump in and use other people's money to buy it. Right. And that's what we're, that's what we do. And that's what we want to make sure that we prevent is, you know, we have, you know, a responsibility to our investors to ensure that we have the right planning and strategy in place. Are there other tools that you all use to help build these strategic plans or systems or how you all keep all this organized? Yeah. So we use, uh, you know, we're big users of Podio. We have been for a long time. That's how we do some of our investor management piece. We kind of built it in-house. Now, now Podio, you kind of have to build yourself, right? Yeah. And Lindsay actually did that. So we, we have a platform that allows us to move an investor through the entire onboard process, all through Podio with the back end of Globiflow um, doing a lot of if-then statements. We've also connect right signature to it and a bunch of other things that helps the automation through, you know, when we, you know, some deals we have as many as 65 investors, right? So we have to make sure that 
the deal is going through and they're in our compliance is, is wired tight. So that's one thing we do for investor management, but you know, company wide, we use Smartsheet, Trello, we use Expensify for business expense reporting. We use QuickBooks online for all the multiple LLCs that we're managing. We use a variety of different things. And I think the most important thing, if, if you're going to scale is think about which programs have API so that they connect. For example, we can do bill pay through QuickBooks and it will connect to our Chase accounts. And Podio will back into Write Signature and Citrix, right? So you, you want to make sure all these things can talk to each other before you decide to go with a certain vendor. You know, some of our self-storage management system connects with our book, bookkeeping. So it's, it's all kind of integrated, which really helps us kind of scale. So it's kind of one of the things that you want to ask a, a provider before you decide to go with a certain software. And could you just quickly say, like, what is API? I know you briefly mentioned that they helps it connect, but just in case somebody doesn't know what that means. Yeah, so it's not a, it's a, it's kind of like a code that you put in to a software. I don't know what API stands for, but it's a code that you put into a software that will allow the script to talk to each other. So, for example, my American Express business card will connect to QuickBooks Online and they can talk to each other. So, when a transaction comes through, when I swipe my card, it'll go into QuickBooks and it'll be on QuickBooks and I can categorize it right in QuickBooks instead of having to go in and, and connect it and all that stuff. The other thing is like Expensify will, will API into uh, QuickBooks. So you can have a, an expense report that mirrors what the inputs on QuickBooks Online will be, if that makes sense. It does. And what's Smartsheet? Uh, Smartsheet is a, you know, it's another collaboration tool. It's an online spreadsheet on with superpower in it. <laughs> you know, it's uh, very collaborative. You can assign tasks to people. You can make attachments. You can do different lights for, you know, on target. You know, it automatically calculates percentage complete. And it just has a lot of functions. You can email people. You can email people rows from the spreadsheet. They've actually added a lot of different features to it. And we were an early adopter of it. It's kind of like Microsoft Project online, but way easier to use. So for project management tool, it's very good because you can put the Gantt chart in there show your critical path, key milestones, and really kind of visualize where you are in a certain project without, you know, a lot of effort setting it up. So now on like a, you know, monthly, weekly, daily basis, you know, how is that laid out? How, how where do you see all these things out? Okay, you know, so you can track it and say, okay, I know, you know, every day we've got to be working on these things, kind of like you mentioned. But, you know, when you all get to that meeting every month, how do you know these things have been done? Yeah, sure. So the smart sheet tracker is really important. When we do a raise process, you know, we'll do the same thing. We track our strategic plan in there so we can kind of see where we're at. We also, for, for a raise stand up, we have one meeting and we have a checklist and we have all the processes mapped out to do a capital raise. And everybody has their tasks assigned to them. And then everybody's got their red light, green light, yellow light. So they know exactly, we know exactly how they're doing and they can, everybody can kind of log in and collaborate on that piece. Okay. So in Smartsheet, you can see where everybody else is at on those things. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So that's, that's nice as a manager that you can track everybody yeah. and know if we're moving forward or not. And then everybody has their own Trello board. So, you know, it's, you know, we have one office manager or one marketing person. It gets a little complicated, right? Because we have the property level marketing that we're trying to attract customers to. We have the investor relations that we're trying to attract investors to. And then we have sellers that we're trying to market to. So each employee has their own Trello board. So before you go in and assign something, you know, you talk to that person's manager and then you can put it on their Trello board as a 
low, medium, or high priority task and with a deadline. And that's really important to kind of see the workload of everybody. So you kind of see what everybody's working on to manage, hey, can I put one more thing on this person's lap or, or do they just not have the time? Or will my project not get done in the time that I needed to get done with? So super important. All right. So a few questions before we, before we have to be done. But, you know, Ryan, what's been the hardest part of the syndication process for you? Uh, the hardest part has probably been, you know, the deal finding has been difficult, you know, deal flow, you know, having a lot of investors, having a lot of capital on the sidelines and placing that capital is, you know, responsibly is super important for us. We have a very conservative approach to our business model. So that's been kind of, you know, a challenge in syndicating. Is there a unique way that you all have overcome that challenge or at least started to overcome it? Yeah. I mean, I just build deep relationships in the market with brokers. You know, we have a list of about 120 brokers on our list. We send them a monthly newsletter, let them know what we're up to, let them know what we're looking at, what, we're, what we've got under contract, what we've closed on, events that we're speaking at, different engagements. That's been kind of a, a helpful thing. We've also been, you know, just a big advocate of data and, you know, using data systems to more quickly vet deals as they come up. So when we do get a deal, we want to be able to get through that deal and either turn it down or move to the next step as fast as possible. And the only way you're going to do that is by understanding the market feasibility and, you know, getting that data in there to do that. So how is SIG prepared for this potential downturn that everybody's talking about? Yeah. So the risk mitigation that we have is pretty extensive. So on one of our properties, we can go down to 20% occupancy and still break even. You know, one of our self-storage facilities breaks even at 45%. So, you know, and, and, and everything in between. So we basically have made sure, and that's what's really slowed down our acquisitions as of late is the fact that we're trying to underwrite a margin on the end and then risk downside in the middle. And I think just getting creative and financing, making sure that you're buying the right project that can withstand a downturn. And that's why we went to self-storage in the first place is because if you look back over 20 years, the two top performing asset classes in in recessions have been medical office and self-storage, which is why we focus on those, you know, on self-storage as an asset class, because we want to be in something that is a little bit more recession resistant than your typical asset class. So what's a way that you all have improved your business recently that we haven't talked about that we could all apply to our business as well? You know, I would probably say getting the office has been a big improvement in the business. Getting the office has helped us scale. It's helped us get efficiencies and talking to each other and collaborating. And I think that's really helped us move to the next level. That's awesome. Yeah. To, to have that office and to have everybody local, you're seeing each other, you can talk about things immediately if you need to, can't you? Absolutely. So what's been the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I think just having a good strategic plan has been the thing that's uh, really helped us grow. And how do you like to give back? I like to give back by helping others in the real estate space. You know, we've done a good job of providing value. Um, I do a monthly webinar on real estate investing. And, you know, I've been in passively invested myself in other people's deals and they haven't gone very well, frankly. <laughs> and I've been very passionate about giving back to the community on how to do due diligence on an operator, how to do your due diligence on an investment, and really making sure that people have, you know, really considered hard the things that you should be looking for in a deal before actually going out and doing it. So we do a monthly webinar and I always have a nice guest on it and we go deep into due diligence and all the things that surround doing an investment. Yeah, I would encourage the listeners to look up the webinar as well. Uh, but so they can, Ryan, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about SIG. Yeah, sure. We're at, our website is Spartan 
hypheninvestors.com. That's S-P-A-R-T-A-N hypheninvestors.com. Or my email is just ryan at spartan-investors.com. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.